Stalking the Jeffrey's tubes of the internet and your heart. It's V'ger, please. Painful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I'm your co-host, Peter. You are my co-host, Peter. And you and I serve as a two-man hunting party through the ups and downs of Star Trek Voyager. And this week, what did we watch? Season 4, episode 16, Prey. And we're not talking about the uh, Catholic variety. But I'm... <laughs> <laughs> no more religious episodes for us. For now. For now. This for is now. Star Trek. Man, like, you're over there you for now. The corner. Let me tell you what. I listen to our episodes. I laugh with us. I cringe with us. And if there's one thing I have learned listening to us, it is that we have some sort of weird Ohio accent thing that is summed up in one word, and it is fur. And I've become so hyper aware of the fact that we do not say for me specifically. I say for for this and for that. And I'm like, oh, God. And now I hear my wife saying it and I'm calling her out on it because I'm projecting my shame onto her. And she's getting mad saying, don't make fun of the way I talk. And I say, well, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So all of you out there in the UK and all the other craziness that somehow found your way to a couple yokels from Ohio. We'd like to welcome you along for the ride. Speaking oh. of fur trade, hunters, praise. <laughs> uh, my wife's from California. She she does the same thing. So Because we've indoctrinated her with our gravy. That's it's, what Ohio is known for, is gravy on everything. Well, and that's true. I it, it, It's Cincinnati, so it's specifically a, a weird uh, sweet sludge that goes on hot dogs that we call chili here that bears no resemblance to the concoction in every other place that it's ever been, but is also strangely delicious. Uh, and maybe that's what causes it. And that's why our European fans just don't understand, right? Because they've never really experienced the wonder of Cincinnati chili. Yeah. You, know, you don't have that in the Czech Republic. <laughs> no, no, sir. Not in Austria. No, we don't got that. No, it's not happening. Hmm. Darius is going to be like, yeah, we do. Yeah. We do. Here's a, here's a com- here's, yeah, here's a comic that explains how stupid you are. Thanks, Darius. Uh, we're going to begin with uh, a slow pass by. We're back with the Herogen again. This is how many Herogen episodes in a row here, Joe? Three in a row. Three in a row. Spoiler alert. Every time we see him, it gets just a little bit worse, or in some cases, <laughs> a lot worse. <laughs> I, I didn't agree. I, I think they're actually more interesting in this episode than they were your last episode. Like you get a little bit backstory and understanding what the fuck these guys are about. I, I I felt like they brought in obviously an old Trek hand. They brought in old commander Kern, uh, slash Worf's brother slash. Like I said, candy man. That's what I know. Mez. That's the candy man. I've never seen that. So I, I, that is now, I remembered him also from, uh, Chuck. Do you remember the, the series? Chuck. No, I remember him from going in a dark room and looking in the mirror and saying Candyman three times because that's what you do as a kid. Um, I agree with what you are saying. Uh, the Herogen are not the bad part of this episode. And I think now that we don't have the hell is his name? Tiny Ron. <laughs> yeah, Tiny Ron. Now that we've got uh, Kern slash the Candyman playing our lead Herogen. Uh, influencer for this episode uh, he does bring some some gravity to it and i do appreciate the way they flesh these guys up but we've got two cgi ships chasing each other and 
if you've been paying attention to the terrible <laughs> the terrible season finale and opener, you'll recognize what this ship is. And no, it's not from Battlestar. No, not Battlestar Galactica. What, what did they say? The <laughs> knockoff. Uh, Babylon 5. Yeah, it's it's one of the Care Bear starships. It is, in fact, a ship of species 8472. And sure enough, these two Herogen hunters are on the hunt for their prey, a member of said species 8472, or as properly known in these in these parts, Space Mewtwo's. Yes. And they, they're going through the process of the hunt. They get their giant uh, freeze cannons from Batman and Robin or whatever the fuck those, those I was were. going to say those big and these are ridiculous. These are like telephone poles that have been chromed out. Uh, the, the, the best analogy I think to them are men in black guns. I, I think that they, they're too low rent. They look more like the, the, kinds of weapons that Mr. Freeze would use before Arnold Schwarzenegger says, you're, you're ice cold. Chill you know? out. Chill out. Yeah, they get the guns and uh, they pursue species 8472 into a asteroid belt. This is the first time that we've seen or heard about 8472 since Scorpion 2. That is correct. For something that threatened to destroy the entire galaxy, or at least to such a scary degree that Janeway has sacrificed the future of the universe uh, by throwing in with the Borg, saving the Borg from the only threat they've ever known, and uh, dealing with the devil to overthrow the the threat of 8472. I thought it was really cool that past plots are interacting with future plots. The big bad from the end of season three has now come into contact with a multi-arc villain from season four and that we are being given hints that, you know, all of the events of Voyager are not always self-contained and sometimes um, NPCs play with each other or in this case, fight with each other. Yeah, and one thing that is definitely being fought with in this opening scene is your sense of reality as you peer once again to the dark madness that is the god awful even for 1998 cg of the space mewtwo's because they do these close-ups in this scene and then later on that just it just looks like an early ps1 game like yeah. it looks like it's it's like crystal dynamics <laughs> uh you know like logo like oh you know like or like the opener, the CG opener to like Symphony of the Night when like the, the logo is coming out, of, you know, like that's that's what it looks like. This is this is bad. When this the Herodians are attacking uh, eight, four, seven, two ship. Um, are they exchanging fire or is it just the Herodian firing on them? Just the Herodian firing on them. Are you sure? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see any discussion of the species 8472 ship attacking the Herogen. And they mentioned later that, that the Space Mewtwo ship was damaged uh, during the battles with the Borg. So that's why, you know, it got left behind. So there's a flashback later on where they show them exchanging fire, though, right? Yes. Uh, with the Borg, not with the Herogen. Uh, I thought it was with the Herogen. I, I. Nope. Naughty me for not doing proper oh, homework. I was 
laser focused on any moment that species 8472 ship shot at the Herojin. Well, why is that, Joe? Why would you be laser focused on such a throwaway fact like that? Because a tiny little ship like this apparently can blow up, you know, cubes at will. Borg cubes. Whole people Borg cubes. As if it were nothing. Hell, uh, seven of them doing a Care Bear stare blows up a planet instantaneously. No problem. This is a Death Star laser. Just real little biz- business casual on, you know, on your Friday. Here's a little blowing up a planet, a little BizCast fry. It's good. It's real One good. One 8472 ship blew up, was it 33? Yeah, some like... It might as well have been infinity times infinity cubes. It was just like here a number of cubes so large as is to defy any re, you know realism in this series whatsoever. That many, exactly that many. Only to later on, and and I know we're retreading ground that we have uh, extensively harped on. Um, but when these things did land direct shots on Voyager, there was no damage. Certainly nothing to the the cataclysmic effects that the Borg faced. Uh, And it, in fact, did take an entire Borg cube slamming into one of these things to to cause one casualty. So, as you've already noticed, yes, this ship is injured and cutting to the middle of the episode. That's why it's still in the, the, the normal space. Why it is not returned to its native fluidic space. It's because it can't tear a time space but hold a fly in to get home. So sure, maybe this is why the Herogen have a shot in hell at bringing the ship down, which previously one of them has had like godlike effects, <laughs> like, like the Greek god of uh, of space combat ships. <laughs> I would argue it should have been able to still just turn around and fly through and destroy the Herogen vessel with a with a ram attack. But whatever, I understand they're trying to tell a story. Um, I mean, and I just want to point out how bad this species 8472. We are talking about a war between them and the Borg that had zero casualties on 8472. This is like the only guy in the entire attack war that got his ship a little fucked up. Like you didn't you it's not that you can't get home, it's that the other people at home don't want you. This is a loser 8472. <laughs> the one guy to get his ship beat up as they're like mm-hmm. killing billions of drones and destroying hundreds of their worlds. It's and this one guy is the one guy who gets a fucking fender bender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, you know what, Fuck dude? It, leave him. You know what? You're not allowed to come back. And it's this LVP right here. This is the guy. This is the guy who's uh bringing up the rear. Here's my hypothesis. Uh, this guy is his ship's fucked up because of friendly fire. This 8472's got some bad BO or, you know, he eats, he steals food out of the refrigerator. The other 8472's are tired of his bullshit and they're like, you know, what? fuck it. You're staying in dry space. Uh, <laughs> dry space. The fluid like... space is dry space, right? <laughs> it's so st- it's just like fluidic space. It's ugh. God, fuck. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. So Candyman gets his men in black gun. Or I'm sorry, as you put it, there's Mr. Freeze cannon. Thank you. And uh, they pursue 8472 into this asteroid field where they disembark from their ship and they begin hunting 8472 on foot. And we get treated to an old friend we haven't seen in some time now. And it is, of course, the cave. 
that you might <laughs> yes. remind remember from such episodes as any other Star Trek Voyager episode with a cave. I believe it is called specifically the Planet Hell set. Uh, it is. I I got real nerdy on this cave, right? Like this cave set that seems to show up in every track that we've mentioned before that we've definitely seen here in another track. They've been using this set at this point for 30 years. Like when this was made, they've already, this set has been reused and used and used again for 30 fucking years. And it's so recognizable too. I, if you really want to be a Trek hipster, get a tattoo of the swoopy arch part of this cave tattooed on your back. <laughs> and any real Trek fan should be able to look at this, not beautiful natural landscaping, be like, oh, fuck, man, that's a planet hell cave from all of the Star Trek cave episodes. And you can tell it's this cave because they have nothing special about it going on for the scene. It's an asteroid. And where do asteroids reside, Joe? Well, I mean, this one isn't a graveyard, but outer space is the answer I was looking for. Okay, the Hirogen have their little space suits on with their bane masks they're they're walking around with their mr freeze guns and i'm just at this point i've already kind of rolled my eyes at the episode and and i'm more interested in the cave than anything else because i know when i see 8472 it's going to be hideous and there's like tree branches and moss and all the normal star trek voyager cave stuff on this asteroid in outer space (laughs) well i mean we have seen in the past legitimately Asteroids with like atmospheres and graveyards and shit in it. You know, like weird shit happens in these things. I mean, you know, maybe foliage some... in space. Okay. All right. That I can't explain. <laughs> that, that one you got. Nice that try, one bro. you got me on. Nice. That for for, on. for sure, Joe, for sure. And they eventually track him down. And as predicted, 8472 does still look god awful. And as if uh, it, that's the bad, that's the worst it's going to get, we up the ante by some very clumsy energy weapon combat with 8472. And it's just like these two Herogen guys who very clearly are extremely uncomfortable in their suits lighten this fool up. So they eventually just basically shoot it 80 times. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Commander Kern, the... The Herogen Kern, uh, you know, kind of like has a moment where he just kind of like comes in his suit. He's like, oh, it's a perfect kill. Oh, I'm jizzing all over the place. Oh. Like he's he sells the entire time this idea of like he lives for the hunt. Uh, every everything he does is like all of his words are extended. He's always very sinister about it. It's. It's he's overplaying it, but it actually kind of helps because he's got so much damn makeup on. That's kind of how you know how he's feeling. And yet I felt like I instantly recognized who it was within the first three words of him talking. He's got that definite recognizable uh, yeah, voice. That voice that, yeah, like Peter David, if he was evil. And even his know? eyes. I'm just like, that's definitely him. And again, he's laying it on thick. It's a little hokey, but it's better than what we've seen so far, which is essentially space hillbillies. So good choice in putting him in here. Like I said, I think he he puts something behind the mask worth worth watching. Yeah, definitely. He is a character, which is more than we can say for any other Herogen we've seen so far. Uh, on the ship, we start with some 
a scene that basically sets up the real reason this episode exists, which is a seven of nine uh, character development episode. Uh, she's like doing these exercises with the doctor about uh, uh, learning social niceties. It's an interesting development note from the doctor in that he's reflecting about his own growth of like, yeah, I had to learn the hard way how to like interact with people because no, nobody really wanted to help me except Cass, who he does mention. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't have like a mentor or somebody that was like really trying to teach him. You know, Cass was more on his own level, uh, seeing as she was very empathetic, but literally born yesterday. Um. Uh, they, the two of them end up with a lot of character growth together for the rest of this series. This is kind of like the first hint of what's to come. So there's a lot to like about what's going to happen there. And this scene itself is good. It's okay. It's good from what you just said. And that is a check in on the doctor. At some point, he has just become a human in my mind. Um, even though he's doing stuff like traveling through communication relays and you know appearing on the prometheus there is nothing at this point that comes off as robotic or artificial about him and it's a very interesting progression because as as self-contained and bodily as voyager has been i feel like picardo's transformation from a AI to a person for all intents and purposes has been pretty seamless to the point where I haven't stopped to think about it since, uh, you know, he specifically calls attention to it right here on the Son of a nine thing. Um, I just listened to our review of, uh, not yeah, message in a bottle where he does go to the Prometheus. And even that, we specifically say this is time wasted on these these seven of nine manners where we have to watch her yet again learn how to say please and thank you. And we're right back at it again. Like, I don't expect her to turn on a dime and instantly adapt to all of this stuff, but I don't need a week by week checkup on how is her people skills going for a regurgitation of the same plot point over and over and over. I hope there's something better for them to do with her time on screen because they just keep ringing the same bell, and damn it, I'm done with it. Not only are they ringing the same bell, it's once again, like, I made sure to to watch after seeing the scene if it was just me. But here it was again. They shot it probably 30% further back than they do anyone else, so you can get seven of nine, ask the tits, in frame. Every fucking time. And the scene was like a blatant example of how they shoot differently and not go to close ups. Yeah. When it's, when it's her specifically. It, it, I don't even notice it at this point. It's, it happens every time, 100% of the time. And it's not even like I'm making a, an active effort to, to not comment on it because we've already hammered the shit out of it. It's just, yep, that's how we do this scene and, and everything is normal. There's nothing out of place here. And it takes someone calling attention to it. Be like, oh, yeah, this is bullshit. The, I mean, later on, I, I there was specifically like other like dual scenes where it's uh, Janeway interacting with different characters throughout the episode where I'm like, I wonder if they're going to shoot this like the way they like. Is it just me? Am I just seeing it because because Jerry Ryan's assets are so, pro- you know, pronounced in it, compared to her peers on the show that I'm noticing it more? Are they shooting everyone this way or and I'm just. 
I'm putting this on the show or are they really doing it? No, they're really fucking doing it. Yeah. It is as gratuitous as we are saying it is, but I mean, it's 1998 and they felt they sex selled, I guess, like not knowing their fucking audience. That's for sure. But anyway, we've, we've hammered that to death. I promise I won't mention it again, but uh, there it is for, for everyone to see. They, Move to Voyager finding the Herogen ship and it's all beat to fuck. And I really like that this next scene because they send Janeway, uh, Janeway sends Chakotay, uh, Tuvok and Paris over to like check it out because there's like one erratic life sign. And they want to obviously like have their moment to help them out to, 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 to bridge a gap slash do some diplomacy. This starts off with a quick argument between Seven of Nine and Janeway on the bridge where Seven's like, yeah, these guys are dangerous. They almost fucked us up last time. We should just keep going. And Janeway's all like, no, we're going to help, you know, because you're Starfleet. That's what you do. When is the last time we saw Chakotay on an away team party? I don't remember exactly when. I don't either. It was jarring to see him actually leaving the bridge for a change. It, well, the last few episodes have not had a lot of opportunity for it. Like, uh, I'm, you know, Hunters didn't have uh, like a real away team mission moment. Well, you uh, had uh, Tuvok and Seven going out to do their thing. Yeah, but they were just out in a, a shuttlecraft, you know. You know, they weren't supposed to even get off of that. Waking moments didn't have anything. Message in the bottle didn't have anything. And the last time there, there was an away team was mortal coil and that in fact involved uh chakotay specifically you know like he was commanding that yeah fair okay. and when when neelix went to space cat hell and had to deal the consequences like I, I i think it's just been the show hasn't had a lot of this go on re- recently i think janeway is just real picky about stealing the fun missions she gets to go larp with uh leonardo da vinci cartoons but if it's a situation where 8472 is there and you might get your bones melted off in some sort of chemical bath or infected with alien snot worms like uh, Kim did. Then she's like, yeah, Chakotay, you you go on this one. You know, I got to stay on the bridge protocol and all real dick move. Speaking of the um, erosion ship, uh, I know we're well past Halloween at this point, but it is basically a spoopy halloween uh, haunted house in there like everything is it's all the lights are down there's like bones everywhere like they're they're scanning stuff uh uh chakotay finds uh like a vat of of melting flesh that's either like a way that they just create their trophies or dinner <laughs> tom paris is he sees a bunch of Hirogen armor on the ground. He's like, oh, someone lost his helmet. And he picks it up and it's it's literally the other Hirogen's head. And he's like, ah, <laughs> drops it. Like, So fuck. do Hirogen not have blood? Because I would think if there was a decapitate, not even decapitate, a, a head pulled off of the sh- shoulders, it wouldn't just look like some armor casually tossed to the ground there. It's a bit of a miss, but I do like that, uh, you know, Tom assesses immediately. Yeah. Looks like this guy's uh, limbs got to fall apart. It's like, Commander, I know a, a space jailbreak when I see one. <laughs> Someone space jailbroke all over this guy. This episode has a very bad case of the 
the quantum leap Swiss cheese brain where the memory of the crew has been violently altered where shit that everybody knows goddamn well has been forgotten. Tuvok, you've been on one of these ships. You know damn well what these people are about. You know how they work. And uh, everybody's walking around like it's their first time encountering any of this stuff. And later on, when they report back to Janeway, Janeway acts like it's the first time she's heard anything about how these Hirogen operate. There is nothing redeeming that we have seen about the Hirogen up to this point that should be in any way tolerated by the Federation. Um, and I know, you know, we always do the the Starfleet thing and that's help out a friend in need. But I think this episode really starts testing the limits of like making Janeway just come off completely stupid. And I will say that that Tuvok's earlier interaction with them was brief and isolated and had no verification right like ran into these two guys these two guys were dick the other guys were shooting at us really didn't get a read on the fucking context and background you know like so them getting confirmation getting like direct information from their computers and that sort of thing like oh these guys are as fucked as they first appeared to be makes a degree of sense right like sure it's not like in star trek voyager you you can't have one member of an alien race say something and just assume that's gospel for the entire alien race like Janeway totally did with 8472 and Scorpion, right? <laughs> right. Because one, so. one, one shock trooper jarhead said, fuck you guys, we're here to fight. And then Kess is like, they said, fuck us. They're here to fight. And Janeway's like, we gotta get in bed with the Borg. <laughs> I mean... It's not like you can base your interactions with the entire Federation off of just running into the running into Voyager in the Delta Quadrant. Come on now. That'd be totally unfair to every other species in the Federation, like to make such an assumption. That would be bullshit. Like we're not all this ragtag group half made of criminals, half made (laughs) half made of like people who have no business doing what they're doing right now. They're going to. They're they're being they're being driven around by like six time prison break all star Tom Paris. Yeah. Um. But to reaffirm the fact that the Hirogen are kind of shitty dudes, like you said, Chakotay finds a vat of like Jeffrey Dahmer playset melted goo people with bones yeah, just floating around in there, and he's like, I don't know if they're denaturing, you know, which means acid burning the flesh off of the bone or if this is like you know dinner but there's like six different sentient species that used to be in there so they find ed gein's cauldron and they're like oh, one way or another this is awful <laughs> like there's your I don't know uh, which one there's your there's your episode title ed gein's cauldron <laughs> there, there we go we always find it you know sometimes we find it a week later like the MHNO's dick, like that one came to you in a moment of inspiration. Yeah. Like, wait a second, <laughs> man. I'll tell you uh, what, too. I read up on Andy Dick on Wikipedia. He is such a piece of shit. He is, isn't he? Uh, he uh, he got uh, uh, he got uh, Phil Hart's wife hooked Phil back ha- on coke. <laughs> yeah, he got Phil Hartman killed. Yeah, basically by getting his John wife Lovett into slammed his head into a bar. <laughs> And deservedly so. Yeah. From after he like talked shit to him. 
my my buddy Nate pointed out, like, just think how good that episode message in a bottle would have been if it had been John Levitz playing the EMH Mark II. And I'm like, fuck, yeah, man. How good would that have been? <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. I just John Lovitz just just around like I can't believe that Romulan's on the ship, you know, just like raising his hands and everything, you know. I have to give them the power of the windmill attack, like just be this like goofy, way too like New Yorky, yeah, uh, hopeless EMA. Oh God, that would have been Voyager so is a show of squandered potential. What can I say? Or they could have had the Rock do it. I mean, obviously he oh, was available. Jesus. The Rock is the EMH. Sign me Ugh. up. I would, oh, that'd be great. Like he just it play him as a total pacifist. Like he doesn't he doesn't understand like violence at all. Like there's so much potential. Uh, they end up on the ship finding Candyman. He's in some closet. He's all fucked up. And they're like, oh, this dude looks toe up. Let's bring him back to the ship and see if we can't heal him up. Uh, the away team returns. The aforementioned scene where Janeway's sitting a chair like this is the first time she's ever heard what the Herogen are or do or what they're about and how they're hunters who hunt people and turn them into trophies. Um, and uh, then we get treated in an exterior shot, which I thought was actually pretty cool. I like the close-up exterior views. Anytime you get to see a Federation starship like put into scale of how big it is, um, whether it's people walking on the saucer section, like in some of the um, original series movies or the big fight by the deflector dish, on first contact, uh, we end up seeing that 8472, which had basically been playing dead before going ape shit on the Herogen ship and screwing everybody up, is now climbing around on the outside of Voyager's hull. My question, and again, continuity is real weak in this episode. You know, they can like poison spike attack dudes. They almost they should have killed Harry Kim with it when he had that alien snot all over his face. Like you don't see any of that at all in this episode. And um, I think it's again, a a real bad example of episode Swiss cheese. Yeah. They don't touch at all. The like super dense DNA uh, bio weapon element of species eight, four, seven, two, uh, you know, never at any time is Harry Kim himself who is confronted by that, like the person that even brings it up. You would think that of all the people, he'd be like, oh, fuck these guys, dude. Holy shit. I don't want to get their super aids again. Can we just never do that? What a observation to make. And that's, again, how bad Harry Kim just bleeds into the back wallpaper. The only thing he has in the past 17 episodes is the fact that he almost died like you know any he, he wants to touch seven's butt and has some dirty dreams with her but that's really been his only thing this season is a near-death experience that by all rights should have killed him and for him to not say a single goddamn thing about 8472 this entire episode is ridiculous I, they do a really good job with seven of nine later on shitting all over 8472 uh, and a couple other people voicing serious concerns about the Herogen. I like it when I, when people have like strong opinions in the background, especially personal uh, experiences like, yeah, this thing almost killed me. And for him to be completely silent on that is a travesty. I, I think it goes to the oft repeated refrain that they didn't have a plan for him. They didn't know what the fuck to do with him. Also, 
there's the practical consideration is that they basically wanted all of that to come out of Seven of Nine's mouth in this episode, which I actually really liked. I liked the conflict that ends up developing there, which I guess we're we're getting ever closer to talking about. But uh, missed missed opportunity to build even more continuity into what happened the last time they ran into him. How good would it have been though? Because uh, eight four seven two they they have two alerts go off. First, it's a plasma coupling rupturing, and then something else. And they're like, well, hmm, that seems weird. That doesn't seem like uh, natural um, occurrences on the ship. So Tuvok and Kim go climbing through the Jeffries tube. They got Detective Tuvok on it. And uh, for whatever reason, Kim, instead of an engineering person, and they get to the end of the Jeffries tube and you see that there is a big hole in the wall being held in by a force field. And then there is some in a very weak copy of, uh, I don't know if they tried to like, say that 8472's blood is like acid and this was like an alien's uh, resurrection moment where if they puncture their themselves they bleed they can like burn through bulkheads or whatever but it ends up with yeah Harry Kim staring down the hallway at a big pile of vomit which we find out is 8472 blood and like the, the old siren you used to play like if it's just him looking at this this, this bio goop on there and slowly he should be going in. off in his head. He should just get like PTSD. <laughs> Maybe like some quick flashbacks of uh, all the snot tendrils growing out of his face as he was being actively decomposed by this stuff. Like, yeah, man, give me some PTSD. But Kim and I know we keep hammering on it and it's unfair, but the guy is unchanged. I think that. I don't know, maybe PTSD would have been the the way to start salvaging his character out of the dumpster. Just something, anything to make him interesting. Give him a reason for being on screen. So the the Herosian gets to sick bay, by the way, and they like get him to begrudgingly accept being treated. Uh, And then they they make the determination that species 8472 is on the ship. And of course, they put two and two together and they're like, oh, Eight species eight four seven two is who you've been stalking this entire time. That's that's great. That's that's the best. Uh, they they it, it the it actually also attacks engineering. They they try to like do a little like invoking of alien thing. It like jumps out of like the top of the warp core and apparently like whoops up on everybody, but kills nobody and then runs. It's you don't. They don't show you what happened. It just shows you the aftermath of of Bellana and several extras in the background on their backs. And like Seven of Nine has a phaser and tells the captain what happened when she shows up. Not it's- a drop of blood to be seen. The most lethal species that Voyager has ever encountered. The one species that was able to bring the Borg to its knees and the species that has brought the Federation into an alliance with its most hated enemy, the Borg. And this dude has a kill count of zero and not so much as a bloody nose. What the fuck? Weak, weak, weak. Um, I do enjoy where when they finally figure out that it is 8472, Chakotay does a really good job of selling the oh shit moment of uh, we're all going to die. Like everything that... Harry Kim should have been expressing 
uh, all of those pages of script instead went to Chakotay, who starts calling intruder alerts and like trying to lock everything down and really, really get the beehive um, into into a red alert mode. Uh, but like you said, it, it doesn't work. 8472 just politely knocks everybody out in engineering without killing a single soul. And let, let's cut to later in the episode. Are we to believe that 8472, that this 8472 really means no harm and it's benevolent at this point and, and doesn't care? Or is this just the writers straying away from the consistency that these were like super intolerant, shitty people who wanted to kill, to genocide everything in dry space? I think it's definitely a shift in the writers of, oh, we have to make these guys a little more three-dimensional as villains. And so this is part of what I talked about when we did Scorpion. I don't know if you remember, but I mentioned like they have to go back and retcon themselves pretty quickly of what they did there, right? Mm-hmm. So this they're, they're total space Hitlers that just want to murder everything. They they realize that, they, oh, we, 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 we didn't really finish dealing with that did we i guess maybe we should claw that back a little bit so this is part of it right this is the first step towards like making you think there's more depth to them and then later on they go even further to to do that now i will not speak of it except to say that this is the first of many times they wind up uh trying to claw back the cast line that they used to justify all that nonsense which is why it was so infuriating for me personally because I knew that this was going to happen. I also want to consider for a moment the danger of 8472 being on the ship. You know, the, the Borg pixie dust weapon that they developed that is the only thing that can hurt 8472. Now this thing's on the ship. Like, if it gets access to the database and finds out, like, the ins and outs of Borg Pixie Dust or has, like, advanced knowledge of the inside of Voyager and that, you know, these people are not willing to go full genocide without the Borg there to to, to push the fire button for them. Like, if this thing from a recon angle were able to rejoin Fluidic Space and tell all of its friends, like, yeah, that whole weapon that they had was like a total fluke and they don't have the balls to actually use that on widespread or here's how it works and let's develop a uh, an antibody to it and then come back and then resume the crusade. Like this is a real dangerous moment for Voyager. It only won that last war with 8472 on a total fluke. So the rest of the episode is focuses in on two plot lines. One, dealing with the species 8472 on the ship and the Herogen's overall obsession with hunting it. And I would call Seven of Nine's personal animosity towards it because of her experience as a Borg having opposed them. And therefore thinking this race is hostile, there's nothing redeemable about them, and any action that the captain suggests towards any kind of compassion for them is incorrect. Uh, there's like a, a hunt scene in a part of the ship that they know that the space Mewtwo has been kind of cornered. Uh, I thought it was interesting because it 
like all of the environmental controls get cut off, including gravity. So everybody's in their environmental suits. And they made a point of in the sound having the magnetic clunk, 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 clunk of the shoes as they went. And also later on, when Tom Paris gets stunned by gunfire or yeah, right. Probably should have been dead. Super Uh, dead. He is his body is standing up because it's it's put in place by the magnetic boots. I really like the scene where Tuvok initially reports that environmental controls are going on the deck and they have like people underneath him lifting him up off camera. So it looks like gravity's given out and he's bracing himself on the wall. And, and, and that that was sweet. I like that a lot. So these are the like you said, the environmental suits, they break out. <clears throat> They're from the uh, first contact uh, fight on the deflector dish. Apparently only three of these suits were made for first contact. So there only gets to be three suits at any given scene in Voyager. And you've got two away teams of three plus the Herogen guy. Uh, This is all pretty boring to me that I checked out rather easily on this episode. Like you said, some of the standout moments were when the big bad hunter with his big bad men in black gun is tromping down the hall, very clearly intending to kill space Mewtwo and uh, a little kerfuffle breaks out. He ends up beating the hell out of Chakotay and then turns and yeah, just bingo uh, Tom twice right to the chest with his super Mr. Freeze men in black gun. And like Tom's totally fine. Five minutes later. Ridiculous. The other group has what? Seven Tuvok and who else? Uh, it was it was Paris Tuvok and uh, Chakotay were the three. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Members of the crew that went down there, Chakotay has like the stupid, I'm in charge and I'll shoot you, whatever. Yeah, no one, no one believes you, Chakotay. Yeah. Uh, you have you all the authority of a substitute teacher. You're back to season one, Chakotay, right now. Like, that's, that's not good. Uh, they, they wind up cornering the guy, the, the, Herogen shoots him, then it shoots Tom, who should be fucking dead. And then Tuvok shoots the Herogen. Uh, but the end result is they basically have the Mewtwo cornered and he's super close to dying and uh, eventually starts to reach out to Tuvok telepathically to communicate, which is where like this, oh, hey, maybe we're not so bad stuff starts to come into play. This is where I really start to check out hard because now we create this moral quote unquote dilemma for Janeway. The Herogen are hunting this poor member of species 8472 who has been stranded here after their intergalactic invasion to purge all life out of the Delta Quadrant doesn't really go quite the way they want. And now he just wants to go home and not play anymore. Uh, and these Herogen, these two Herogen have cornered it. Uh, it screwed him up. Voyager inserted itself, uh, has exacerbated the issue further. Uh, and now we have more Herogen inbound and we get some dialogue from Candyman where he's like, listen, let me out of here. Let me kill this fucking thing. Let me get out of your hair. Or uh, we're basically going to declare you at war with the Herogen Empire and we are going to start hunting you as our prey instead. And there's a lot of times like Janeway gets put in these moral dilemma situations where you're like, okay, this is a hard choice, but I respect the decision she made. But like you've said, 
8472 is literally Hitler. And even if this one wants to go home, it's still one of a billion bug creatures that came over here to kill all life. They are so bad and so dangerous and so miserable. You allied with the Borgobrum. These I, are- I can't please circle that, underline it, and put little like asterisks next to it. Kathy, you thought these guys were so fucking bad that you looked at a genocidal rampaging race of zombie cyborgs and said, I am going to back you over these guys. Right? That's the decision you made, Kathy. That's something you decided to do. Nobody thought that was a good fucking idea. No one of your officers did. Chakotay damn near started a mutiny over it. But you decided these guys, these space Mewtwo's are such a threat that you looked at the implacable foe of all life in the galaxy and you said, you're better. Hmm. And here you are confronted with a shred of potential evidence, the tiniest shred that maybe they're not near, not, not as bad, right? Because one of them's hurt and wants to go home. And you're saying to another species that is also terrible and, you know, has Ed Gein cauldrons and <laughs> boils their prey and either, you know, mounts them on walls slash eats them slash both and are saying, eh, you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm going to back these other guys that I thought were so terrible. I thought the board was like, none of these decisions make any fucking sense. Here's what this episode needs. 8472 needs to have a very clear communication through Tuvok with Janeware where he says, I'm sorry. I'm scared. You know, we I was just following orders. We did not want this war. Our war was with the Borg who invaded our space. You know, normally we're peaceful. We don't cross into over here because, you know, that's not our thing. But I'm stuck here and I'm asking you for asylum or I'm asking you for help in opening up a conduit so I can go home. Please help me. You know, or the crew saying, you know, when it got loose in uh, engineering, it should have like killed everybody and ripped their heads off too and infected everybody in the crew with alien snot like it did Harry Kim. But it didn't. Maybe these things aren't as bad as we thought. Maybe it asking for help isn't such a bad idea. Now Federation ideals are being invoked, but they don't do any of that. It's It's still the same monster. And you've got two bad guys of the week fighting with each other one is almost dead and the other one you know let's be fair you broke its tv antenna that it told you not to fuck with and then electrocuted them right they got beef dude like they have legit beef and they're legit saying hey listen just give me this super dangerous ass thing that tried to kill everything in the delta quadrant and we're cool you can go away there won't be any problems like Candyman is super accommodating to this wacky ass situation voyager has created for them and Janeway, if if you're listening at home, sit down and I don't know, take your belt off and and start biting into it because this is going to be like a rabies moment. Janeway busts out this line because everything I'm saying is basically what what Seven of Nine is saying. Like, right? And Seven of Nine, her fatal flaw in all this is that she calls Janeway out in public, and that's never a good idea with your boss. But she's like, listen, you're making the wrong call. We should play this safe. We should just give this fucking thing up. Like, they're dangerous. They fucked the Borg up. Like, that's how dangerous they are. And Janeway lays this out on her. 
it is wrong to sacrifice another being to save our own lives. Joe. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Joe, you know what I'm going to say. One word, Joe. Begins with a T. Tuvix. Does it end? Does it end in Uvix? Yeah. Okay. It ends in me pulling my fucking hair out. It is wrong for it is wrong to sacrifice another being like Tuvix in order to save our own lives like Tuvok and Neelix. This fucking show, Joe. This fucking show. That the treatment that they give poor Catherine Janeway in the writer's room, her complete off the wall paradigm shifts at the drop of a fucking hat and the stroke of a pen is unbearable it it really is a sort of like dual personalities it is like there isn't a one janeway there's like there's like competent good starfleet captain janeway who's consistent in her decision making and there's this other janeway who has to be bafflingly incompetent or inconsistent in order for shows to happen and i think years ago when we started this show i might have mentioned something along those lines to say this is the 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 alpha and the omega of dealing with janeway as a character is that there are times you're gonna be like this character is really cool and kate mulgrew really kills it and then there's other times you're like Oh, so the writers didn't know what to do, so they had to make the captain a complete fucking idiot in order for this to work. And I will say, like, in this episode, Seven of Nine, as you mentioned, essentially says all of that. And then when she lays that line out there, she snaps back and is like, oh, you do that shit all the time. Like, you you endanger people's lives all the time. Like that's what you do. You're you're Kathy Janeway. You put us in peril for no fucking reason. And she's like, oh no, it's different when it's like you know my people. You know she she doesn't actually have a good response. So in a way, it's like they're canonizing that she's terrible at her job. I don't think that's what they intended, but it's kind of how it comes off. It's exactly what you said. Sometimes they give Kate Mulgrew scripts, and Kate Mulgrew kills with it and then sometimes she gets scripts like this where they're killing kate mulgrew with it and you you come off just hating this fucking character what is the best case scenario in this situation you have one psycho murder species that wants to go home and then you've got a bunch of other technologically advanced space giants that want to hunt it down and they said if you don't give us this thing we want we are going to fuck you up and we are coming in like eight ships deep and, and you, also, you know, they're hard as fuck. You've already fought them once and you're going to fight them again. They're, you're basically no match for them, right? Like this isn't going to be fair. They're going to run hot dick all over you. You're going to turn to your crew that you have vowed to get home and you've you've done terrible things. You've worked with the Borg. You've stolen technology. All of this shit that you've done in the name of I want to get my crew home safe. And you're going to turn to them and say, I'm going to make sure that everybody dies in a very one-sided space battle because we are going to protect these fucking terrible alien invaders from another dimension that wanted to genocide us like 16 weeks ago. That I purposefully allied myself with the Borg to kill. Yeah. Like, like fuck you, these man. These are it is... supposed to be worse than the Borg. According to you, Kathy, that's what they are. 
this is mutiny time 100%. And everybody who did not back up uh, seven of nine when she's, you know, real talking Janeway out and open, shame on them. Um, you know, we can sit here and just keep beating up this episode for how stupid they they have Janeway come off during all of this. But I think the next real thing to talk about is the final series of events where Janeway says, all right, what I want to do is open up a space butthole and send this thing home. So when these Herogians show up, we're going to be here empty handed and we can get in this big space war with them where we can get our asses kicked. And Seven says, no, I refuse. I just flat out refuse. And suddenly Catherine Janeway is confronted with a problem that she and Chakotay have been fostering this entire time. And it is rampant insubordination out of uh, Seven and Nine. And we talked about this heavy back and ship in a bottle or message in a bottle when Bellana right, like goes, what do you do? Yeah. Well, Bellana goes to Chakotay and says, Hey, listen, she doesn't listen. She's locking the door. She's locking me out of systems. It's just blatant insubordination and everything that she accuses seven of nine that Chakotay just basically whisks away. And all of the other times that seven's pulled the shit on other people and Janeway's looked the other direction. Now, suddenly Janeway gets a taste of it directly and she does not like it. And her foot comes down hard. The, kind of line that she takes is basically you know help us or don't help us at first and then seven of nine like starts to talk shit back and like she attempts to ground her uh but it's clear that's ineffective immediately because the very next scene uh you know the herogen show up they start running the hottest of dick just as predicted they Voyager is essentially helpless in in doing anything to these herogen ships and in the meantime, the Herogen has broken out of his his uh, his prison. Uh, has take he took out Smoldering Catcher Guy. I think that's the first time we've seen Smoldering Catcher Guy actually like hit the bricks in any situation. And if you're gonna and, hit the bricks, I, I'd say getting knocked the fuck out by a Herogen is a pretty excusable reason. Did did you look at any of the what's his name, Lieutenant Ayala? That he's got his uh. Someone made him a Twitter page. Yeah, I saw. It's good stuff. It's very good stuff. I would recommend uh, anybody check it out. We got links to some of the screenshots up in the trauma support, the Vija Please trauma support group. Uh, the the yeah, and so you know the Herogen gets loose and obviously tries to go kill the the space B two. Continue. We end up with a brawl in the hallway between Space Mewtwo and Candyman. We've got incoming Herogen ships. They start surrounding Voyager. I don't even know if they they might actually fire on Voyager a few times. They and do. They start fucking it up. All the systems go down. That's how the Herogen gets loose. Then we end up with, uh, oh, they, they called out, you know, Janeway ordered seven to action because she needed some uh, some bored pixie Man. dust. That is correct. And seven's watching this fight go down and the doctor's there. And. She rips off a bulkhead and starts tapping away at one of the, the you know, recessed control panels. And all of a sudden, the Herogen and Space Mewtwo beam off of Voyager, presumably onto one of the Herogen ships. And all the Herogen break off their attack and fly off. And uh, the poor, you know, Space Mewtwo has been maybe killed. Who knows? But those things are hard as fuck. It's plausible. It might have just... Ripped all those Herogen new assholes on a long enough timeline, too. But Janeway finally has enough and she flips out and we get the scene later on 
where she starts trying to confront seven and it's like this is nothing but behavior that you have condoned this is the same thing as seven taking it upon herself to electrocute the herogen that was trying to stop them from using the relay network from seven locking uh balana out of uh engineering uh, or when she was stealing resources or whatever and she got confronted in the jeff dooms like this is the same thing that's happened at least six times on the show so far and now is where you finally decide you're going to get mad because for the first time seven is taking actions from a completely justifiable angle like what was your end game yeah yeah that that's really the most baffling part of it you you hit it like not only has seven of nine done this exact same shit before it's just like ultimately been to the benefit of what janeway wanted so like when she shocked the the space the herogen uh in message of the bottle you know she didn't complain right she's like all right i worked out right she, she just kind of like did her own thing in this case she's pre- presented with this impl- this impossible situation kobayashi maru man this is a kobayashi yeah. maru we're getting the shit blown out of us these two are fighting i can't stop them uh the doctor can't stop them there is exactly one solution to this problem and i went ahead and did it right like i beamed their asses off onto one of the other ships let if if, if you don't give a fuck then let this the species 8472 who apparently like channeled his energy and went super saiyan you know and like healed all his wounds i mean we already saw what he did in the other ship he fucking butchered the fucking everybody like this this thing will just be a fucking nightmare for the herogen so let's let him have it like fine if we if you want to say fuck them both fuck them both like this isn't necessarily a negative on that front but because we have to have this conflict where, you know, seven of nine didn't show enough compassion, even though she's the only one who's acting in a logical way to preserve the ship and take the only step net, you know, possible to do so. Uh, now she's, you know, being punished that she's she's not allowed to, you know, do anything except everything she was already doing, I guess. Go back to worst case scenario. And that was the uh, LARPing or LARP murdering your coworkers. Go back to Maquis Chakotay's speech about how Voyager diverts and does everything that Janeway does everything within her power to actually prevent the crew from getting home. And everything he accuses her of that point rings true in this episode. Remember the fact that like the entire crew has played this video game extensively and now yeah. hold it up to the fact that she just basically tried to self-destruct the ship over Space Mewtwo. It is time for a mutiny. 100%. Anybody on this ship is better than this writing style of the captain. And the fact that nobody recognizes it uh, is, you know, I get it's bad writing and I get it's not their fault that this isn't the story they're trying to tell, but it's still what's happening. And I don't know, man, some someone needs to say something about it at some point. But instead, we get this little snippy exchange. And it's not until Janeway personally is inconvenienced by seven of nines insubordinate behavior that she's like you know by the way you're not wearing a uniform you're a guest on the ship i'm going to take away all of your top tier administrative access to all of like the big deal systems and everything else and uh you can work in astrometrics because i want you there and and all this other stuff and the whole time i'm just sitting there like shut the fuck up janeway you're you're talking to let's recap essentially a prisoner seven of nine at never at any point did she say i want to be on this crew I want to be a part of this. You've kidnapped her out of her life. 
You force this on her. You've tried to force these human ideals on her. And now you're trying to dangle the stuff over her head. Like I, I, I want to uh, seven, just say, fuck you. Just drop me off on a goddamn planet. Like I told you to six episodes ago and I'll rejoin the collective and you can go, you know, deal with life without Borg pixie dust. I really liked her response, which was like, you, you telling me to be a, my own person. And here I am being my own person telling you what the fuck is up. And now you're punishing me for expressing me being my own person. And she's like, well, you know, there's going to be limits here on a Starfleet ship, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, I think you're just afraid I'm not going to be like who you want me to be personally. Which is a big you know, dummy it, who takes bad and dangerous orders like all of the other big dummies on the ship who sat there and let you kill two Vicks. Because, and again, let me lay that quote on you. <laughs> it is wrong to sacrifice another being to save our own lives. I scrolled down the memory alpha and whoever edited the article for this episode is my fucking hero because they laid out in the continuity section the the following. Although Janeway lectures seven of nine here that, quote, it is wrong to sacrifice another being to save our own lives, end quote. This is apparently a change of heart from the events of season two's Tuvix, where Janeway forces Tuvix to sacrifice uh, his life to restore those of Tuvok and Neelix. Yes. <laughs> like, so uh yeah that this is not lost obviously on other fans of trek uh, it 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 was not lost on me obviously in the years that since i've watched all of this as i've mentioned to you since we've started this project of watching all these episodes and it's not it this the logical inconsistencies at work here in terms of janeway's own decision making relative to things she's already done in the past and how she's approaching this conflict with seven of nine couldn't be more clear as to why the show has the reputation it has when it comes to you got its, me feeling soft its own character. Would you say that this is Herogen space? Well, I think they make a good point when they're talking about the Herogen species background that they're so widely traveled, they don't really have space. They're just like nomads that wander around hunting things. So you don't think that there's an overarching laws of the hunt that would function as a as as a as a sector of space law framework, because if it was, and, and you know, just humor me for a moment, let's assume that this is kind of Herogen space that they're in right now, since they've encountered them for three fucking consecutive episodes. Mm -hmm. And if like, you know, we don't agree with their, with their cultural values, but you know, we respect law and I'm, I don't know where the stupid quote is back from uh, random thoughts where Janeway was happy to let Bolana get her, brain lobotomized because they can't pick and choose when they're going to uh, respect the local authority. But yet another example of, well, Janeway doesn't like the way the species act and she calls him a bully. So these are the people what we just go to war with and not give a fuck about how they operate to our own detriment. <sighs> we done with this thing. You got anything else to say? Nah, we, we done with this. I think we've, we this is, this is a enough. bad episode, man. I, it's there's it a lot of bad. stuff. It wasn't bad in the sense of like some of the worst that we've seen. It was bad for the kind of the reasons why the show has a bad reputation, and it was frustrating to like talk about because of that because you know the Herogen themselves, Candyman in the main role, uh, a lot of what Seven of Nine actually says. Uh, 
you know, there, there is some things that are, are neat in this episode, but it's not like this, this is uh, Elogium or Concerning Flight, but it is bad for the nerd reasons, the, the story nerd reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, we're moving on to season four, episode 17. I see uh, what looks like the. Oh. Can't remember his name now. For, what was the TV show back in the 80s where like it was kind of like the Brady Bunch reboot? Oh, damn it. What? What? The Partridge family? Step by step by step. Was that what it was? Step by step. Remember that? Yeah, I remember step by step. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the oldest kid was wasn't he like a Power Ranger or something? Ah, whatever. I have, I, I don't remember anything about the show except that I think that uh, uh, was it Patrick Duffy was on that yeah, one. Yeah, Patrick Duffy. Uh, I was gonna say Thigh Master Girl's husband. Yeah, Patrick. This looks like Patrick Duffy standing in the background. We see the Doctor and we see a bunch of uh, power drills laid down on a table. Retrospect: Seven of Nine claims to have been assaulted by the arms dealer who just sold new technology to Voyager. I remember this one. It's it's a more uh, I think this might be another Brian Fuller episode. It's kind of famous now for the wrong reasons. You know, I don't I don't want to I don't want to preview too much, but there's a definite like real world parallel that they were attempting to make uh, with the with with this episode and uh, viewed through the lens of 2019. It gets a little it's a little, shall we say, as the kids would say, problematic. So I can't <laughs> wait. So until then, this has been Vigor Please, a hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. Remember never to let Catherine Janeway make decisions for you. And uh, Tuvix was murdered. Hashtag truth. Talk to you later. <laughs>